Yeah, yeah. And no one like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome everybody to the third edition of the Back of the Net podcast, recording this one on, on Monday the 2nd of April. And in the news this week, Wellington get the wind up as Sydney surge, but Eiffel towers over all in the end. Uh, Thomas Browich mesmerises the Mariners as Brisbane take a 2-0 lead down to Blue Tongue Stadium. April Fool's Day rumours of Browich's departure turn out to be wrong. He isn't leaving for personal reasons, but he has been signed to play a dancing penguin in Happy Feet 3. And Shane Smeltz rings his agent shouting, show me the money, after personally beating all of Melbourne in the last two games, seven goals to two. An insipid display from the visitors as Melbourne Heart proves to be worst team name since Melbourne victory. Welcome along, Chris Dunkley, to our podcast this week. Yeah, go guys. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome, Adrian Demack. How you going, Andrew? I'm going well. My name is Andrew Demack, and I will be your host for this evening. After the... Uh, the the first weekend of finals for Season 7 of the Hyundai A-League, we're going to go right back to where the weekend started, which was uh, the knockout semi-final between Wellington and Sydney over in the land of the Long White Cloud. Chris has had a look at this one and saw Wellington um, go through to the next round. Chris? It's a bit of a uh, change from the previous time because Sydney won it last time, I believe. Um, and... You know, I saw the whole game, and uh, Sydney, I thought, were pretty good um, first half and probably into the second half. I thought they were really on top, and I was expecting that they might have gone on with it. But then, Tim Brown, <laughs> uh, not content to go off to Oxbridge or wherever he's going, decided he wanted to play a bit more football. So he got on to uh, the end of a loose ball. Um, from a free kick by Leo Bertos. I'm not too sure who knocked it back to him. Managed to steer it past the keeper, so that was 1-0. And then uh, that man Ben Sigmund um, popped up, uh, as he quite often does, and smashed a header off a corner. Uh, so they were leading 2-0. Rather than Sydney uh, falling away, um, they came back very, very smartly. Um a loose ball over the top. Uh, Chinesa runs onto it and just lifts it over Mark Paston. Had no hope of being able to reach it. Then, of course, um, he scores the second one. Yep. In the... Uh, where are we? Uh, we're going into the 82nd minute, so it's getting a bit tight at the end there. Uh, Paston steals a, a ball and he... He's onto it and bang in the net. So game on. Only a few minutes to go, and of course Sydney go to sleep. Let Paul Eiffel through. Beecham clatters into him in the box. Clear penalty, despite what Sydney fans are all saying, uh, and and puts it away quite easily. And Wellington are through. It's 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 the same the old story though for Sydney that they really only start playing. Their very best when they go, when they go behind. I mean, behind. you're saying yeah, they were they were on top, but they they really needed to get a goal when they were on top early on in that in that match. I thought, and Wellington just can conjure a goal out of a set piece 
you know, every, every game. And, you know, Tim Brown, Ben Sigmund, Paul Eiffel, so, all so dangerous from the set pieces. And when you've got Burdos to deliver them, you're always a chance, I think. So it's a, that was a funny game. Or you, you, would you, if you were a Sydney fan, would you feel hard, hard done by at the end of that? Did, did Sydney deserve to go through? Well, I'm not a Sydney fan, so I don't. <laughs> but I've I certainly heard enough of them say they thought they were hard done by. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the, they're complaining about the penalty. I think it was a clear penalty. Oh, no, that was a penalty for sure. Um, yeah. They Did they deserve something for the match? Well, would have been interesting if it had gone 2-2 and gone into extra time. Yeah, but they, as you say, they they um, went to sleep and, and Eiffel made them pay. And, you know, I, to me, it was, a, it was a very clear penalty. Very clever bit of work from Eiffel, though, because he's... Definitely playing for it. Yeah, yeah. he's playing for it and he's kind of Beecham propped. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Beecham has just, yeah, clattered into the back of him. But it's a penalty. So, anyway... The same, some of the same sorts of things may well be said when we move on to the to the next game. So that's Wellington have moved through to the to the next round. But the 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 big game of the weekend was, of course, at Suncorp Stadium in in Brisbane, where Brisbane Raw, second placed on the ladder, played the the premiers, the new premiers, Central Coast Mariners. Now, Adrian, you were at that game. Um, I was well, in the stands. In the stands, I was up in the press box, so I had probably the better view. But you can go first. <laughs> Well, Brisbane playing back to their best, I thought, really. Um, they haven't been playing that well for the last couple of rounds at the end there. But, yeah, I think they have a point to prove now. They really want to get that trophy back, um, well, the championship trophy. Um, and, yeah, they, they started really well with, um, well, Enrique getting fouled in the box but missing the penalty. Um, yes. I don't know how he still is taking penalties. Uh, but he managed to recover from the resulting corner anyway and uh, slot one past Matt Ryan a little clumsily. Um, and yeah, second half, Brisbane just ran all over the top of Central Coast, really. You can't can't really deny that. Um, when Broich got onto the ball, he was always a threat. And uh, his little dance in the box there and slid it to Paralu for the late goal. Um, there was a couple of chances before that, but uh, that was the main one. And, and yeah, Brisbane took it and now have 2-0 to go down to Blue Tongue with. And uh, after the match, Graham Arnold was saying he thinks that 2-0 is a, is a tricky scoreline and he has had plenty of experience of that. But, um, but that's one of the things well, that the, uh, the Brisbane crowd constantly remind the Mariners of about <laughs> having been ahead 2-0 against them twice and, and um, they use an indelicate phrase to describe what happens next. Uh, well, you'd think, you know, Brisbane, if they get a away goal down in, um, in Gosford there, then um, Central Coast have to get four, which seems like a, a mammoth task, really, for the Mariners there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris, you you watched this one from the perspective of of, of being a Mariners fan. Um, might have been uncomfortable viewing at times. But what did, what did you take away from it? It was uncomfortable viewing. Um, I I think Brisbane have definitely got the upper hand. Um, I think Mariners can score four, but or three or four. But <laughs> how do you stop Brisbane scoring? A couple yeah, of that's the problem. That is that is one of the um, issues. Really, Brisbane were back at their best and looked like a bit like FC Tokyo <laughs> <laughs> on the park. Yeah. Um, Mariners lined up in pretty much the formation with a few tweaks for, that they played against uh, Elgoy Grampus um, and probably for some of the same reasons, um, trying to, um, you know, trying to cover the very fast breaks and plays playing out of uh, midfield. Didn't work too well. Yeah. Um, and so Bernie Abini got very isolated up front, although he was getting they were getting the ball to him. He squandered a couple always, of chances. Though, always yeah. three men, always three men on him. Yes. Um, second half, I think they Arnie changed it a bit, and when he brought a few subs on, it got a bit better. But by then, really, the damage had been done. 
Uh, and their confidence had dropped off a, uh, as well. So um, well, it seems to me all, all credit to Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. I, it seems to me, Chris, that um, one of the things that happens when the Mariners change their formation is they lose some of the really effective nature of the way they play normally at home. And so when when um, they're forced back by Brisbane, it means that um, the Josh Rose and Ped Bowick are able able to play no role in attack when normally they're very very effective in attack. And it seemed to, to me, from my vantage point, that Oli Bazanich and Michael McGlinchey were, were forced deeper and deeper and were not able to get forward enough to support, um, to, to particularly to support Bernie Avini, who, as you say, was, was quite isolated. And the Mariners, although they move up and down the park really well in the same way that, that, that Brisbane does, and they do support each other really well, it was just that sort of couple of seconds here and there where, as I say, Bazanich or, or McGlinchey couldn't quite get up to support to support their 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 player further up the field, and I, I really think Arnold's going to have to have them play a more aggressive game and and start with a more aggressive formation uh, down in Gosford to to pin you know to pin back a two two goal lead. They can't have Bernie as a as a lone striker um, when they're playing at home, and they can't allow Brisbane to force them back like that either. Well, the two playmakers behind Bernie as well didn't have a, a great game. Amini and and Rogic. Rogic looked tired from the outset. I thought it seems he's had a he's had a really rough like last part of the season there. He's he's done really well, but he's a bit tired now. It looks like to me. Yeah, I, and I also had the feeling that um, Amini might not be at full fitness either. Chris, have you got a, a view on that? I don't think either of them are you know as fit as they should be at this stage of the season. Um, certainly. Um, Amini had not quite as much, didn't seem quite as much energy as he did in the um, ACL game. Yeah. That he that he played right through as well. Um, certainly, he's got to change something for for next Sunday. Um, and of course, we've got tomorrow night's ACL. So yes, it'll depend who comes through that game. Well, we might talk about that in. Yeah, we might talk that about that one in 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 just a second. And you know, it was certainly noted that um, the Central Coast had as it's attacking three three of the three players who are all teenagers, which is oh, one would think quite unusual at this stage of an A League season. And um, is it is it going to work? Is it going to be something that um, they're able to carry through to the to the grand final? We'll find out, I suppose. So let's move on then to the uh, third game of the weekend, which was over in Perth, where the the Perth Glory hosted the Melbourne Heart. Um, and and really, I, I watched this whole game, um, and uh, until Shane Smelt scored just after the hour mark, I was having some difficulty um, keeping my eyelids open. It really was not a good game, and and uh, Melbourne Heart have have the capacity to play some good football, but in this game, I don't know. It it wasn't the shape that was wrong. It wasn't the it wasn't Perth who were forcing them back. It was just Melbourne Heart themselves who didn't seem to have the drive to to really make it want to happen. I think missing Simon Colosimo is a is a big blow for them. Certainly, a couple of the goals that that Smeltz uh, scored were due to lack of organisation in the in the centre of Melbourne Heart's defence, and and they have two very young centre backs there when Colosimo is not on the on the field. But mostly, it's it's one supreme predator taking taking um, advantage of the mistakes, and at the other end, uh, Melbourne Hart not able to take any advantage of the, of the opportunities that they had. Uh, Adrian, did you see any of this one? I saw a little, yeah. I saw I saw the goals, and and that smells one at the end. What was happening there in the defence? It was pretty. 
He had so much space. It was ridiculous. Well, the, that the, the, the pass from Miller came through to Smeltz, who'd run on the on the blind side, if you like, of the defender. I forget yeah. which of, of the two central defenders it was, but he he's just caught well out of position. But there. he was—he just—he just stopped the defender, yeah. and he's—he's he's basically said, "Well, either Smeltz is offside, which he clearly wasn't, or 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 this is going to be a goal." And it was indeed a goal. We should I talk. Did want him to we should put it onto his left, so he got a perfect hat trick there. But he, he thought he'd just go for the right. Yeah, I think he's—he was going for the percentage play. We, <laughs> the uh, the second goal was the controversial one, and and uh, Andrezino floated a, a ball to the to the far post, and Shane Smeltz did as uh, an incredible job to get his head on the ball and float it back across Bolton, and it came off the inside of the post and bounced before Bolton picked it up. And it, during as I was watching it, I thought to myself, Bolton's a long way behind the line there. I don't know whether he's caught that ball on the line because he was standing well inside the inside the line as the balls come back off the uh, off the off the post. But uh, replays on the TV clo- showed pretty conclusively that it bounced on the on the inside of the goal and it was mm. in fact a goal so I thought very well done by the linesman and the referee to, to call that one Bolton uh, wasn't happy after the game about that one well he can be as unhappy as he likes but I think it was pretty clear from the replay that the ball mm. bounced clearly with the whole, whole ball over the line so yep. I, I was um, I was certainly convinced by the replay I don't know Chris did you get a chance to see that one at all well only only what um, was shown on TV in the highlights yes it, it it was a bit hard to see with the angle they showed, but um, I mean, and they're always controversial, those ones. They are. Um, whether they're clear or not, they're always going to be controversial. Um, certainly, he did very well to get up and get that header back. Yeah. yeah. And and he steered it in that corner too. It wasn't just a fluke. No, no, no fluke, no fluke about the header. He is very good with his head, and he directed the ball quite clearly back across goal as the highest percentage play to either have another Perth player running onto it or to 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 get it off the inside of the post. So very well done, Shane Smeltz. And, you know, the the main thing about Perth in this final series is Shane Smeltz. And it'll be interesting to see when Wellington come and visit them next weekend, um, you know, exactly what happens. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I think in the meantime, we might move ahead and look at the Asian Champions League games. Three Australian teams uh, in action this week, of course. Uh, Adelaide United uh, at home to Pohang Steelers. And uh, that's um, you know, a, a game that apparently Adelaide have, have got the better of Pohang in the, in the past. So they, they might be reasonably confident about, um, about, about moving ahead still further in this, in this group, Chris. Well, uh, certainly a win for them would um, pretty much wrap up a, a spot. Um, I think they're away, though, in Pohang. Oh, are they? yes, yeah, you're quite correct. Yes, but Pohang Steelyard Stadium. So, I mean, a win would, I think, pretty pretty much, particularly over um, Pohang, would, would give them a really good run to one of the two spots. Uh, a draw would probably even be enough for them to, you know, continue to put the pressure on the other team. So they're, they're certainly sitting pretty. Yeah. Um, and if they can play the way they did in the previous game, You'd have to give them a chance of getting that win. Yeah, I mean, the, the, of the of the Australian teams in the Asian Champions League, they are certainly the ones who are doing the best so far. Well, and they haven't had haven't had to, to back up with the A leaguers either, so they should still be you know fairly match fit, but not um, you know having that extra pressure. Mm, mm. Well, and Central Coast are hosting uh, Songnam Ilwa. Um, also, yeah, indeed. Also tomorrow night. Um, I see in the in the match preview that the Songyam have themselves a, a tricky Brazilian 
Everton Santos, who's in red-hot form. Four goals from five starts in the K-League. Are you, are you worried about the, the visit of Songnam? Well, yes, of course. <laughs> um, they all seem to have a tricky Brazilian. Yes, they do. Um, whether, whether the hype you know, follows them into another continent is another matter. Yep. Um, again, uh, this, this game really is a must-win, I think, for Mariners to have a, a really clear chance of, of moving on, um, being at home. Um, and it will be interesting to see what um, Arnold puts out on the park. I mean, I, I suspect he's going to ch- change the team around quite a bit. It seems, uh, from the A League, yeah, I think he'll have to because I mean, what would you see as as the priority here? I, I, it would seem to me that the the A League Grand Final and the yeah, A League Semi Final and Grand Final have to be Central Coast's top priorities. Um, you know, surely, yeah, having been premiers, the the chance to be champions as well it comes along. You know, not every year, and uh, it, it seems like something that they really have to put all their eggs in that basket, and perhaps. You know, rest Bernie, rest Mustafa Amini. I don't, I don't know. Well, well, certainly, certainly being called chokers is getting to be a bit. Um, yeah, had enough of that. You know, too much after four times, you know, the three times, and we wouldn't want to do it a fourth time. Yeah. Um, Arnold, Arnold, however, when I went to the to press conference uh, for the R League finals launch last week, um, spoke very um, passionately about the uh, Champions League. Yep. And you know, said he was very focused on that as well. So he certainly didn't give an indication that he was going to, uh, you know, put all his legs in eggs in one basket. Um, the fitness of the players—they all seem to be fit, but as we said previously, some of them are perhaps not quite at peak peak yet. Mm, mm. Uh, so uh, you know, I think I think the the fitness coach does a very good job. Um, it's a bit, it's very hard to know. I, I don't know what we're going to do about um, breaking down Songnam's defence. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll go with uh, with two two you know out now strikers up front. I don't know what he's going to do. It's very hard to pick. I've been interested uh, um, in listening to the different um, leadership styles, if you like, of Graham Arnold and Ange Postacoglu when they talk about the fixture congestion and, and all the extra all the extra games they have to play. Ange the whole time has been saying, We've been preparing for this Champions League. We're 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 ready for it. There's no excuses. We you know, these are professional players, they can play twice a week. And Arnie, by contrast, seems to spend the whole time saying Oh, it's really tough for us. Uh, you know, it's really hard to play twice a week. We have to travel a lot, and I, I just wonder whether the players are getting something of that in in their mentality. Um, I don't know whether it's helping the raw players any to to have Ange, you know, saying all the time we're ready for it, we've prepared for it. But, you know, they they looked a bit tired themselves after after the game against Tokyo. But um, you know, I, I wonder whether the the messages that that filter down from the top, um, you know, have have some bearing in how the sides run out on the field. I think he's particularly concerned about the young players. Mm. Um, certainly, those that went away, the the Oli Roos. Um, I don't I don't know what uh, Vidi does to them, but when they come back, they're not <laughs> in good shape. No. Um, he's also got a 37 year old uh, centre back yeah. trying to get through. Try and get through the series. Although I must say he's been in still quite good form. So, Chris, if you um, if you didn't have him, um, Brisbane would have won four nil on on Saturday night because he was outstanding. He was outstanding. 
Anyway, let's let's move on because uh, Brisbane Raw are also on the road this this week, and they've gone to Ulsan in South Korea. Adrian, where the heck's that? I have no idea, <laughs> but it's actually well, it's actually all Korea versus all Australia at the moment. Yes, yeah. this, this round. Ulsan and, um, high Hyundai. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's a it's the, it's a flight south and a ninety-minute bus ride. So they have to they, when they flew into South Korea into into Seoul, it's another flight to Busan within South Korea and another ninety-minute bus ride after that to Ulsan. So I wonder if they caught up with Maddie in Busan there. Yeah, it was about where the um, in the Korean War the Chinese got to before they pushed them back. Oh, there you go, a bit of military Just history down the coast. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember that. Oh, okay, so. goodness oh, me. I, I wasn't actually I was born about the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's yeah, a tough away Brisbane, game. I think, I think Brisbane, again, like Mariners, need to win. Yeah. This time away. Uh, and if you play like you did the other night, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you do. I mean, it's difficult to know because uh, the, the first game that we saw, the only one that we've seen um, against FC Tokyo, the standard of FC Tokyo really was was a step up. and. Ulsan had a draw against FC Tokyo in their previous um, ACL game. Is that correct, Adrian? That's correct, yeah. And so if they are you know, of a standard with, with, with Tokyo, then it's a really tough away trip, and I haven't got any confidence that Brisbane can get any more than a draw. But, you know, we've got our fingers crossed, and, uh, um, you know, it, it's it's true, of course, that winning is a habit, and if, if Brisbane are in the habit now of winning again, having won their last couple, then that's got to be a, a help as they face Ulsan. Well, they're not Something doing too that. bad in the AK League, though, as well. Right. Ulsan, they've already beaten Puhang and um, Seongnam as well. So, I mean, Gosh. So. Yeah, it's a tough ask. Um, but those, that three points you know, clear at the moment in the ACL. I really, you know, Brisbane's got to get something. Even yeah. a point would help. Yeah, and they, and they really need to win their remaining home games. Well, we do get to play them again at home two weeks away, so it should be. It should get some points over them sometime. <laughs> well, should. Should is always uh, <laughs> just a, you know, a, a mystery word, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so that's the Asian Champions League. There's lots of mystery about that I'm, for all I'm of us. I'm certainly looking forward to tomorrow night. Yeah, oh, it's going to be going to be fantastic. And moving forward from there is the second weekend of the semi-finals, the final series of the Hyundai A-League, and the first game of that is, of course, Perth hosting Wellington, the the off-quoted longest away trip in world football. Well, I believe there's a longer one in Russia now or Russia, something, yeah. yeah. But it's still a very long way for Wellington to go to get to Perth, and when they get there, I hope they get lots of corners, because that's Tim Brown's favourite thing. So what what do we see happening in this game? Is it is it really, um, you know, Tim Brown and Paul Eiffel versus Shane Smeltz? Who was well, uh, it's you know, Perth, Perth, a workmanlike side, except for Shane Smith. Yeah, um, and you'd have to say that a bit about Wellington, except for Paul Eiffel as well. So, it's really going to be, you know, some of their ex- they've both got quite experienced players, and really it's going to be just who stands up on the day, I think, and and uh, delivers because they both need their big their big name players and their experienced players to deliver. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes for extra time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. One of the pro- positives for Perth, I think, out of the game um, yesterday was that the, the form of Liam Miller, who was returning after a layoff and played the whole game and uh, you know, did quite well and laid on the last goal for, for Smelt. So I think um, 
he provides a creative outlet that that Perth have really been missing. It seemed uh, he he sort of grew into the game a bit, and uh, apart from apart from Miller's passes, it was it was get it out wide to Andrezinho or to Travis Dodd and let them charge down the touchline and see if they can cross the ball in to to um, Smeltz. But uh, Miller provides another another option, you know, a whole lot more creativity. So I'm um, I'm backing Perth for for the win. I think that um, that. That although they are not uh, a pretty side to watch most of the time, they they do seem to be more effective at home this year than they have been in previous years in the A League. Adrian, what do you what do you see? I think there'll be goals. Yes, uh, but because both sides seem so fragile, really. Like even in attack and defence, I can't really. I'll go with the home team, I guess. Perth, yeah, they've been strong at home recently, and and Wellington are always bad away, apparently. Uh, so yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Perth as well in a high-scoring game. Uh, but one more. I think I think it'll go into. I'm saying it will go into extra yeah. time. Yep. Um, I suspect Perth will win it in the end. Um, Although I much prefer Wellington. <laughs> well, this is the thing, and one of the things that you prefer, I prefer about Wellington, is that that Ricky Herbert actually looks like he 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 coaches a team and has ideas that he's trying to get that his team is trying to get across, you know. Yeah. And I think this kind of leads into just before we go to our last game, which is um, Brisbane's trip down to Central Coast. It leads into uh, a bit of a discussion that Adrian and I were having about coaches. And 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 who who amongst the A League coaches do we think um, gets a pass mark out of this season? And who are the coaches who who earn their money? And it just seems to me, as an observer and and listening to all of Ian Ferguson's press conferences, that that, that he just is a person who tries to motivate his team. He doesn't seem to set them up in any sort of particularly interesting structure. He doesn't seem to provide them with a whole lot of instructions as how he wants them to play. He just hopes that they'll play well because they're good players. Um, and he talks a, a lot about how, how how many good players he has in his squad, but he doesn't talk very much about the shape that he's playing or the type of style of game that he wants them to play. Adrian, mm. you had a little sort of trawl through the, the coaches of the A-League and you, you ticked the ones you, you thought have done well and given a cross against the others. What, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd say... Ange and, and Graham, obviously. Uh, but Ricky Herbert's been, been a good coach as well. Gra- Gary Van Egmond, when he came in, has done some pretty good stuff with the, the Jets. And uh, Mike Mulvey as well at Gold Coast, I thought, when, when he had the chance, he was good. But, well, obviously the other the three for the Sydney and the two Melbourne clubs are, are all gone. That's all vacant positions there. So I just don't know who's going to fill them. And you've, you've had a look at the, at yes. the betting for um, the, the, the next coach of Melbourne Victory. Who's the favourite? Costa favorite? Coglu has shown quite dramatically for fifty for Melbourne Victory at the moment, which would be a, a big turn of events there for, for Ange to go down to Melbourne. Well, it's certainly something that, as, as Brisbane supporters, we would certainly not like to see happen. Um, but <laughs> you wonder whether the bookmakers actually know anything or whether that's just... Um, the talk of the town, Chris. Yeah, I think that's talk of town. Yeah, eighty percent of the money has gone onto Ange there, so I think it's mostly just all everyone's piling onto it. Really, wishful thinking, perhaps. What do you think, Chris? <laughs> well, Melbourne's going to have to, you know, do something sensible, <laughs> um, <laughs> which they haven't for the last few years. I mean, at one stage, it was it was um, Melbourne and, and Central Coast who had the the stability in coaching. Yes. Um, and then there was a, you know, a fairly clear transition from uh, McKenna to Arnold, but well, Melbourne just seemed to have lost the flip, lost the plot. Mm. Um, I, re- I really don't know what sort of coach they need. I, I actually think they, 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 they could do worse with grabbing um, 
um, uh, sorry, um, grabbing the assistant from uh, Perth, who is uh, names just escaping me, <laughs> who's a very experienced coach, probably more experienced than uh, than, Ferguson. Okay. than Ferguson. Okay, and is a Mel- Melbourne coach and took South Melbourne Hellas to quite a few titles, so probably more than Ange did. Right. And also, he, Adrian's free, free, yeah, absolutely looking that I up think now. They should, I think they should look <laughs> in Australia. Yes, I think so too. And it, it, one of the interesting things has been over the last couple of years that um, there's no guarantee of success just by bringing in uh, an overseas coach and, you know, really, the, the, the you know, Levitska and... and um, and Rennie Coolen and John Van Shipt haven't done any better, you would think, than than other people w- with the same with the same material ha- have done. Um, so it's an interesting time, you know. Obviously, um, you know Melbourne Victory, a very important club in the in the A League. One of the one of the things that uh, that that they haven't managed is to rejuvenate the team. They haven't managed to to retire the older guys and bring in the young guys, and and that's a process that takes a lot of skill at a managerial level and. And I think that um, you know, if Ernie Merrick was guilty of, of anything, it was of not rejuvenating the squad quick enough. And that, that was a task left to Durakovic, and he wasn't able to do it. And obviously, they didn't give Jim Magilton long enough to, to see whether he'd be any good. So well, they were wanting to. And, and, yeah. and they let, let a lot of uh, young players from the Victorian leagues... Go elsewhere. Uh, uh, go elsewhere. So that uh, you know, they're spread around the league now. Yep, yep. Well, we better press on because time is getting away from us. There is one last game to talk about before the end of this podcast, and that is at Blue Tongue Stadium on uh, Sunday. You're looking forward to this one, Chris? I certainly am. Yep, yeah. I've uh, got the, t- the tickets with my daughter. Uh, Excellent. And uh, so we'll be along there. And I think the I'm hoping it'll be a good crowd. It's. Uh, it's difficult because the uh, Central Coast is suffering a bit. Um, you know, the, the sort of demography it's got in terms of finances and um, 40 bucks for a standard tickets. Wow, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, a bit much. Or 46 if you've got to, because you've got to pay through Ticketek. Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, 20, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I'm hoping that the uh, crowd will certainly be behind them. I, I'm not, not confident. That we can go through straight to the final. That's why I probably prefer Wellington to get through in the other game. Uh, certainly, Arnie's got to do something different. He's got to—he's the coach of the two who will change something, yep. and I think he needs to change something. Right. Um, and and we also need some of the players who perhaps haven't have been little off the pace to have their have their big games um, in the midfield, particularly. And um, Matt Ryan to uh, go back to being the Matt Ryan who can stop everything. He could stop a lot, though. He <laughs> was pretty mammoth last week. He? he had a, he had a great game uh, last Saturday, and he and, did. He did. And uh, yeah, you can't ask much more from 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 Matt Ryan. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating game. Oh, these two teams must be must be sick of the sight of each other. Every, <laughs> every big game in the A League for the last two seasons has in, has involved these two teams, and and and. Between them, they have dragged the standard of the A League up, and you know, Brisbane's Brisbane's uh, great triumph in last year's grand final wouldn't have been a great triumph unless it was a great match played against another great team. And so, I uh, you know, uh, I enjoy every second of these games because, as a Brisbane Raw fan, 
I'm terrified about how good Central Coast is, and I I I think that both sets of fans and both set both teams enjoy these matches quite a lot. And it's not really a a rivalry where the two teams hate each other because they seem there seems to be so much respect between yeah, the two groups of players. Yeah, McBreen is a is a bit annoying, I think, to opposition players. Fans, but I think that um, opposition fans get a bit annoyed at um, Thomas Broich and at and at Enrique, who who get fouled and fall down. So you know, there's all sorts of reasons for other for fans of the other team to to dislike players who are on the other side. But anyway, we're looking forward to a funny. Funny, um, Nichols seems to get a bit of stick too from fans. Yeah, outside. But I don't know. I, I quite uh, have quite a bit of time for him. I don't see any problem. Yeah, I, so I think they do push each other. I think the two teams do push each other to another level. Uh, unfortunately, you buggers keep having the the wood over us. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens on Sunday. I, it's 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 all to play for, I think, and uh, it should be it should be a great match. Hey, I looked up for the uh, the Perth Glory assistant coach. His name is Stuart Munro, Stuart Munro. and he played yep, 220 exactly, games for Rangers. And yeah, he looks like a very well credentialed man from from Victoria. So, well, yeah, as you say, Melbourne Victory could do much worse than. And go to somebody who's experienced and is already on the Australian scene. Be interesting to see what they come up with. Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen, for for your contributions tonight, and we'll 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 call it quits at that, and we'll hopefully be back again um, with a slightly different crew, perhaps uh, early next week to look back at the Asian Champions League and the second weekend of the Hyundai A League finals. Thanks for your uh, for your contributions tonight, Chris. Thank you, guys, and Mariners to win. And Adrian. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Roar and Mariners to draw. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next time on the Back of the Net podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah.